Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter and Threads and everywhere else you need an at. This week, as promised, I have a great guest lined up to give me the week off, or a second week off, I guess, at this point, from having to make uh, more in-depth solo shows. I asked Ryan McDowell, founder, co-founder, and godfather of Dynasty Fantasy Football itself, to come on the show and explain a little something about how to play Dynasty, how to set up trades, how to look for trades, how to construct trade offers, and who he's most interested in right now before the season starts off. Let me know what you think. Make sure you check out Ryan at RyanMC on Twitter and every week on the DLF Founding Podcast Show. Let's get into it. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn at once. should just start off with a question. Um, so, Ryan, how do you play Dynasty? And then you go, well, that's a big question. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is a big question, um, but a fun question for sure. I think my my default as far as how to play Dynasty, how to build a Dynasty team is still um, kind of going back to that productive struggle idea, uh, focusing, on, focusing on young players, focusing on uh, building around what I view as the premium position. You know, that that's to me, that's wide receiver and single quarterback, quarterback in Superflex. Um, I mean, the problem for me, the problem with productive struggle and a lot of the ideas behind it, I wrote that almost 10 years ago. And now a lot of those ideas have become widely accepted. They've become very common and it's just not, not so easy to do that, um, you know, in, in a new dynasty startup anymore. Yeah, and it's also like I always, I'm always struck by like ninety percent of dynasty play happens after the startup, but ninety percent of our ideas are all about the uh, startup, and yes, I think that's yeah. why we get a lot of you know we feel like we're doing our work, we're doing our off season grind. There is no off season. We're sending out trade offers. We're trying to get better. We're trying to read articles, but sometimes it can feel you're stuck in the mud because there's everyone, like you say, does have those principles mostly discovered now so let me try and focus the question this way one way i've asked it by the way i'll, I'll start here because it's a compliment to you i had mike havens on a little while ago yeah. and one way we went about trying to address like how to figure out what your team's meant to be doing right now and um, was to think of who are the best dynasty players you've played against and what do they do well, like what did you find that they did or whatever else and he specifically mentioned you he said you in trades um, and he couldn't narrow it down um, but you are remarkably difficult to get a little bit extra out of, which is kind of how he approaches Dynasty. He's always just looking for a juicer, you know, always looking for that extra third. Could you throw in a second? Could you grow, yeah. throw in Brandon Ayuk? Um, is there something you use to try and make that part of your game, to make sure you're not being pushed too far on trades? Like a Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's a that's a compliment or not. Maybe that just means I'm uh, stingy or, or, or something like that. <laughs> but uh, I mean, when it comes to trades, it's, it's so much it, to me, it starts with relationships. Right. And um, I mean, I have found that in leagues that are maybe not that active or leagues that I don't know the other managers very well, if I'm just sending out cold offers, right. If I'm just send, going to, MFL or sleeper, and I'm just sending an offer without any kind of conversation or anything. I mean, the, the, the hit rate on that is so, so low, right? Um, not only that specific trade getting accepted, but even in general, 
having a having a, a back and forth, getting a counter offer. So to me, it it really all starts with kind of building those relationships, which is one, you know, that's like one of the great byproducts of uh, of this game is uh, building those friendships, relationships, usually with people that you're in leagues with. So if you can text somebody and say, hey, I'm interested in Brandon Ayuk. Can we talk about him? Or um, that's that's so much better than just sending the 2024 first for, for Ayuk and seeing what happens. Um, as far as like squeezing that last little bit of value, I mean, of course, that's that's something I tried to do. I think that's something everybody should try to do. You know, you want to make sure you're getting the best deal that you can um, when, when you're making a trade. But, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes you just have to know what you, you've got to know where that value is, right? Um, like some deals are, are so good for you, whether it's value, whether it's the fit on your team, the need on your team that uh, you, you just got to come to that agreement and, and stop pushing at some point. Um, well, he particularly thought you were resilient to it, as in even if you wanted a trade-off or you wouldn't go past where you thought your mark was. If you know what I mean, you've, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, there was a point at which you wouldn't be squeezed, even if the trade was good for your team. You're like, no, that's, that's more than fair, and that's where I'm stopping. And kind of what I'm thinking of is, oh, the direction I'm trying to push you in is, how do you assess that when you're looking at a trade? Like, is there, are there do you have a, a set a set standard where if you're looking for a quarterback in a super flex, you know you're just not going to go that little further for a second-tier quarterback. You may as well back up and get a, a, and try to shoot for something higher. I think it's kind of different for me. Uh, no, but as far as far as finding the those trade offers that are perfect for your team, I think it for me it's kind of different um, in season versus uh, oh. versus the off season. So I find myself in the off season really kind of. Um, shopping for those high price players. And usually that means some oh. type of consolidation deal. So, you know, maybe I've made it through with, um, oh, I don't know, with with uh, Dak Prescott as my QB1, um, or maybe maybe Tua, maybe Tua is a better example. So I've got Tua as my QB1. I, I made it through the 2022 season, but I'm, you know, I want to aim higher. So I'm packaging right. Tua, I'm packaging a wide receiver and a draft pick, and I'm trying to get, trying to get up a tier in the quarterback ranks. And, and obviously that, uh, that works with any position. So I have found that usually when I'm shopping for those elite players, those high end players, that's usually in the off season. And then when I get in the thick that's of it, in the yeah, when I get in the thick of it in the regular season, that's when I usually find myself more bargain hunting, you know, rather than um, trying to acquire you know, Christian McCaffrey or, or Austin Eckler, it might be more like Raheem Mostert that can, uh, that can get me through the season or, you know, maybe, maybe not quite that low, but uh, right. David Montgomery. I mean, we, we know all the names in, in the ranges that we're talking about James Conner, guys like that um, where obviously I'm not giving up nearly as much of, of that core. And, and I've got the depth to hopefully make a playoff run that season. <laughs> That's interesting. We often uh, find ourselves talking about how different periods of the year but different things. So I don't think yeah. I've ever heard oh, it yeah. broken down by the off-season as about those tier-up trades going for the elite assets, and that, that could definitely be a function. But we're in, like, pre-season now, so do you find a particular type of trade? Is that when you're going for the James Connors of the world? Like, You know, honestly, I'm for most of my teams, I'm kind of in that holding pattern for now. Um, uh, this is 
I mean, I feel like we say all off season, you know, you don't need a tight end two in, in June, right? Like, <laughs> right, uh, I right. mean, we get these, we get these trade questions. Like I've, I've got to upgrade my RB three spot. And like, no, you don't <laughs> You just, just wait. So you don't uh, need to now, set a roster yet. You're good. Right, right. Now we're at the point where we are submitting lineups. You know, we're setting those week one lineups, and um, outside of a few um, a few spots where you know maybe you got caught, maybe you were counting on Jonathan Taylor, right? I mean, right. And, and certainly anybody who had him was count or has him was counting on him to uh, to be in lineups. But outside of those situations where we're talking about an injury or a situation like that. Um, you kind of got your lineup set. So really right now I'm, I'm kind of in that holding pattern. If I've got one of those situations where um, either it, it's something like that, or, or maybe I, I thought my depth was a little bit better than it actually is, then, then I'm just kind of waiting, you know, waiting and seeing how the season starts. But I would say if I'm making a deal, it would be more like those, those, end of uh end of starting lineup fill-ins right the flex guys the wide receiver threes like let's go get brandon cooks right now uh let's go get tyler lockett right now again we we know all these names uh but but those guys are are gonna help uh people win titles in my opinion yeah i was just on the trade addicts podcast and andrew hall because dynasty outhouse wasn't there because i was there i think but um, he was <laughs> saying a similar thing in that he goes and sets his lineup, even though he doesn't need to right now, because that visualization shows yep. him where to get a sense of where he's strong and where he's weak and where he needs to make moves. Yeah, that's interesting. Would you say this off season? It's too late now, obviously. But what kind of moves have you found yourself doing? Has it been the one player, one type of trade you've been finding yourself executing more this particular off season? Well, I mean, again, like like most dynasty analysts and players, I have tried to avoid targeting running backs in general. I mean, I've just <laughs> yeah. you just there's just very little safety there. Um, Austin Eckler, I think the the price was has been way too low all off season. You know, maybe yeah. that's been uh, maybe that's partially due to the the contract issues he had early in the off season or. Uh, you I know, still think it, the draft capital always has that little that that take that taste of bad draft capital, you know. It absolutely does. I think I think we we never let go of that, whether we admit it or not. It's it's kind mm -hmm. of you know it's part of the profile that um, he'll never he'll never be valued like McCaffrey or like uh, some of these right. other guys because he was undrafted, and the same could be said really for any any day three pick or, or undrafted player. But uh, I think his value has been too low. So he's kind of been the one that I've broken the running back rule for this off season that I've been targeting. Um, I'm on Ross St. Brown. I mean, it seems like he's, he's kind of the trendy guy. Um, I think Matthew Berry named him the, whatever his language is for that, his it guy or his 2023 crush yeah. or, or whatever it well, might that, be. The Matthew Berry bump, it's dead now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the Matthew yeah, Berry bump. Okay. It, it's going to be tough to uh, to find value on him for sure, but he's he's certainly one of my favorites. Um, you know, I think we're giving up on some of these wide receivers a little too quickly. It seems like DK Metcalf has fallen further okay. than he should, so he's another player um, that I'm I've, I've been interested in this offseason. 
That's a good one. That's a good name. It's awkward to trade for DK Metcalf because I think the value's low, but at the same time, the production has really never met the value either. And it's like Austin Eckler, like he's too low, but it's because the running back position in general has dropped this offseason because of the landscape we're in. Um, Do you expect, you don't expect, well, let me rephrase that. I don't expect that to revert overnight. I do think Bajon Robinson's going to remind us how much we like the running back position and Jameer Gibbs is well situated to have a similar good productive season. Um, Though I don't think the ceiling's as high, but it doesn't feel like we're going to get a 2017. The running back position is not going to be reinvented this season. And so do you think that's more likely to continue you're more likely to continue to be a little more interested in running backs than you typically have been in dynasty i'm asking you to predict the future but you know that it is dynasty <laughs> so it's kind of what we're trying yeah yeah that's that's part of the job i mean 20 you know 2017 really saved the running back position i mean i think we all yeah. kind of recognize that and and now that those guys are aging out you know getting towards the end of their career we're looking at of course I mean, guys like Kareem Hunt and Leonard Fournette don't even have teams. Um, obviously, um, Dalvin Cook took took a while to find a team. So those players are, while certainly still relevant, they're not those cornerstones of dynasty rosters anymore. And um, that's those those are big shoes to fill, right? And yeah, Bijan Robinson will do that, I think. Um, but you even look forward to like. The rookie class next year does not look strong at the running back position. So I think I think we're going to continue to see this this wide receiver trend take over. Uh, I think we'll see fewer and fewer running backs in the the first round of startups, whether we're talking uh, the mock drafts that we do throughout the regular season at DLF or or those early startups uh, that will you know that will kick off as soon as uh, probably December or so for 2024. How much do you let, because I find myself saying yes and no and targeting certain types of trades or even uh, roster holds from the waiver wire, depending on how I evaluate my team. Like if my team's in the middle, then I'm interested more in wide receivers and quarterbacks in a mm. super flex, to your point. Um, but the more competitive you are, the more interested you might be in, well, veterans for a start, but also running right. backs. Do you yeah. find yourself weighing that heavily, like looking at your roster and that's going to decide a lot of the decisions you make in the next few weeks or of the next season or is that or or do you more because productive struggles very it's not i don't mean make this sound bad but it's a very holistic way of approaching dynasty it gives you a good path to finding a good way to coming out of most drafts better than you would if you didn't have an idea going through it and so that's why it's a really strong really solid way and or set of ideas to have in dynasty moving forward but league play or like looking at a roster can often often be a little bit more you you can't stay so holistic uh, and that's why i was right. wondering about that like yeah, brandon yeah, Ayuk's think... a great target unless you're not maybe in a position to have brandon Ayuk or uh, sorry you said austin eckler because that was one of the players you made yeah i mean I, that's certainly fluid and again uh, i think dynasty is, is really just such an interesting game and one of the reasons why is we spend all off season trying to build those, those pretty rosters with young players. And then as soon as week one gets here, we're, we're only worried about who we can start. And, and suddenly, mm. you know, guys like um, Marvin Mims, that was a big conversation of, of this week. Suddenly Marvin Mims doesn't look 
that great. You, you can't necessarily start him. You know, maybe maybe he proves that wrong in, in the first couple of weeks of the season. But um, those young players that are not uh, not lineup options suddenly don't look so great. Uh, don't look as great as they did uh, a few weeks prior. So I think that that kind of makes it challenging. And and I actually I try to avoid that mindset, especially if I've got one of those productive struggle teams that's not ready to compete. You've just got to, you know, you got to focus on that goal, whether your goal is I'm going to lose this year, take my lumps, get the, get an early draft pick and, and be ready for next year. Or, you know, the goal of obviously most of us is I want to try to win this league this year and whatever, whatever that goal is, right. You've got to try to stay with that. Even when the kickoff of week one might tell us, uh, you know, might kind of intrinsically tell us to do something different. Um, as far as like trades, waiver wire in general, I, I'm typically uh, not even really focused on a position. You know, I, I don't necessarily think, oh, I'm, I'm a running back short, so I've got to, um, I've, I've got to find somebody on the waiver wire. It's really just acquiring talent, right? Like as much talent as I can get. Um, maybe this guy helps me out for the next month because of an injury. Maybe this is a player that I think has some long-term value, uh, due to the situation on his team, or, or maybe this is just a player that I think I can flip for some type of value, uh, down, down the road. So really just, uh, acquiring talent, acquiring value, uh, and building that value on my team. Okay, so there are a few extra points that I want to try and hi- highlight in, in what you're saying. So again, talking to smart people who play Dynasty better than me on this podcast, I find strongly that the attitude is you just, it's much less holistic. You've got to look at your team, you've got to feel like your league mates develop those relationships. And it's, a, it's remarkable how much of being good at Dynasty is about trying to make up for the parts that... that Fantasy football used to have built in because you would get together with friends, you would know them, you'd be able to have a conversation with them. Whereas now it's all online and we don't know each other as much. And a lot of good players seem to try to make up that gap by making, if not friendships, like you say, relationships. And I find that, I always find that interesting. But also, how do you evaluate value? And again, where you're in specific, there's no one answer. But um, trying to assess a trade, you can use a DLF trade calculator. I'm prone to punching in numbers there just to see how well it matches up. So if I like a trade, I'm not, I'm not giving away too much or giving away too little. I think the trade finder is also useful on DLF. But do you have a, a broader way of thinking about value when you're trying to assess if you're giving up too much or if this is acquiring talent or giving it away as such? Yeah, well, I mean, you hit on a couple of things. I, I'm I'm for sure using those tools that we have at DLF. You know, uh, shame shameless plug there, but I, I do think <laughs> the Trade Analyzer and the Trade Finder Probably. are both uh, both super valuable tools and resources. Um, and I, I use those all the time for research for for my content and for um, trying to make deals in in my own league so ab- absolutely um and again i'm like i'm i'm the adp guy right i've been collecting adp for dlf for 10 years and while adp is i always say it's not a it's not a trade analyzer it's not a trade tool i do think it's reflective of uh the current value of players so i think it can certainly be helpful in in starting to form some type of trade that you might be able to make. Um, and then uh, again, back to those relationships, you know, I, I've got a, I've got a couple people that 
if I'm if I'm stuck on a trade, if I think it's close, if I'm trying to work a deal, I'm just going to go to those one or two folks and and you know blow up their phone and and see what they think about a trade and and a few people um, you know a few people around the industry and around the the community are are doing the same for me, sending me uh, messages or, or DMs asking about trades and. Again, that's that's kind of one of the cool byproducts of of playing Dynasty is is building these friendships and and just being able to to talk through this stuff. Yeah, I think honestly that's one that I uh, didn't recognize early on, and I think it's maybe overemphasized. You, it's it's asking people on Twitter, even though you don't do what Twitter says, or asking an analyst or a content creator or your friend on Twitter what they think about it. Bouncing ideas off seems to be one of the main ways we get a good idea of if it's a good trade, frankly. And, yeah. and I think that might be undersold. Like we're always trying to fix it with a perfect calculator or a perfect analysis of ADP, when honestly just bouncing ideas around people is a really good way of trying to get an get a sense of if you're going in the right direction or not. No, I was just going to say, I do think, um, I think you've got to be careful with that. Like find your people that you trust, whether that's friends that are in your league, whether it's uh, an analyst, uh, you know, kind of your go-to analyst or podcast or writer, whatever it may be. Uh, I think asking too many people becomes dangerous. You know, now you're, now you're getting conflicting answers and Peter says I should do the trade and Ryan says I shouldn't. Now, what do I do? So right. you're not you're not really accomplishing anything. So uh, not that you want to find that um, you know that you yes man. You want to be given an answer. You want to you want to find uh, an analysis that you can agree or disagree with, but at least you have somewhere to start. That's kind right. of the way I think of it. You know, um, give me the odds, and then I'll make the bet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it still has to be your decision. But um, again, find those people that that you trust and. Yeah, like I said, that might be uh, your your best friend that plays Dynasty as well, or it might be somebody on DLF or any other site that um, their rankings really seem to align to kind of how you play Dynasty. You know, reach out to that person and uh, and, and see what they think. But um, leaving it out to all of Twitter, or you know, sometimes you'll see you'll see someone who will ask 20, 20 different analysts the same exact yeah. question, you know, it's just, it's just a copy paste question. And um, I, I just don't think that's super productive because in most cases you're going to get conflicting answers and, um, and you're not really going to get anywhere with that. And um, when do you pivot? And um, that's what mm, I wrote down yeah. here to try and remind myself because the whole bunch of pivot points, but again, looking at your roster, I find we, I spend a lot of time trying to look at ADP and look at um, ranks and trying to find where players are, in my opinion or someone else's opinion, too high or low. Where should I go? Who should I go and get? But I think another part of it um, that I try and focus on for my own teams is looking at my team and finding players on there that I think are it's a good idea to try and move them. Like we said, running backs in the offseason, everyone's saying sell at this point. So there's probably not right. much wiggle room there. Everyone's trying yeah. to sell. Well, a great example is right now with the preseason. Marvin Mims looked hot for a minute. I remember he he, he looked like he was in line for some work and people liked him. Are you more are you how much more or like more or less likely are you to start sending Marvin Mims out in trade offers before you've even seen him play in the NFL versus our wait and see? If you make the draft pick, do you just hold on no matter what? Or is there some sort of balance line? 
Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say I hold on no matter what, but I, I also don't feel like I play like the stock market type of dynasty, you know, that, okay, the price is up. So I'm going, yeah. So I'm going to sell now. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I respect that strategy. I respect that. I, I understand Some people that. are great at it. Oh, and absolutely. I, and I've talked to some as well, but I don't particularly either, but I was wondering, sorry, Karen, you were answering. So why ask the question again? Karen. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I just, I mean, I think, I think you can be successful with that strategy. Um, especially if you're in, you know, really active dynasty leagues. Um, okay. You know, I mean, kind of the, the downside of doing, three podcasts every week and writing articles and <laughs> trying to stay active on Twitter is I kind of lose some level of a certain level of activity in my own league. So sometimes yeah. I find, uh, you know, I find myself looking at a league and thinking, man, I haven't, I haven't made an offer, a trade offer in this league in in three weeks or, or a month or something. So, um, it, but if you're in, it, you know, if you're a really active manager, if you're in a really active league, then kind of that, that stock market philosophy of, He's gained value. I'm going to sell now, no matter what. Or um, he's losing value, so I'm going to buy low. That that can certainly work. That's not necessarily what I do, though. I mean, I would say it's. Um, I, I don't think there's like a line in the sand or a strict rule. I, I right. think it really is more of a player by player um, situation. I mean, Jamison Williams is certainly a player I've, I've been trying to pivot off of. And um, I mean, maybe it's a little too late with all the negative uh, news surrounding him between the suspension and, and uh, right. some, some stuff going on um, in lion's camp, but honestly, just a player I've realized I, I, I don't really want, I wasn't heavily invested. I was mostly uh, off of him as he entered the league last year and coming off that injury. So I, I don't have many shares, but I've been trying to move the ones I have and I haven't been real successful with that yet. So I think a lot of people yeah. are sharing that, that uh, mindset, but um, I find it yeah. interesting. People have that slider bar set to different points at the different, for example, running banks again, just to go back to it, like uh, even Zach Reed, who, you know, and yeah. he will try and, something that he pointed out, he's got a running back strategy of playing them for the first year and then basically trying to sell by year three. And he says the key to it is to be disciplined because sometimes you're going to get CMC'd and Austin Eckler mm. and they're just going to keep being good. Yeah. But on balance, if you always do it, you come out ahead more than 50% of the time. So the few times where you have your slider bar slid to the stock market option a little further, the trick is to be disciplined with it. Like if you're going to sell rookies that pop off in preseason, you have to always sell rookies that pop off in preseason or you're going to be making guesses and it's going to be hit and miss. But if you always do it, then on on balance, um, at least with those uh, third-year running backs, he thinks and you're going to come out ahead in the long run, at least, even if you lose a CMC or an Austin Eckler at some point. I think that's a good point. If you have your stock market, gauge flipped or whatever and then you have to be more consistent in doing it at least in that aspect and um, i myself seem to be a little bit more gamblery i guess at least with rookies like i want to have several players and they run throughout the adp chart mm -hmm. that i'm more invested in for example this year jordan addison doesn't really yeah. matter if his value escalated to cd lamb levels um and I, I think after year one he'll get there I, I want to see it happen to see if maybe there's a little more upside. I'm just a little bit more invested in that profile. Um, 
Well, I think rookies are, are certainly a, a safe shot to take, and it, it feels, you know, it might feel a little weird or sound a little weird to say that rookies are safe investments uh, yeah. because there is there is kind of that element of of the unknown, and uh, will they will they be the next bust or or will they? Especially uh, the week after Corey Davis retires, like don't rub <laughs> it in here. <laughs> right? Come on, now. very true, very true. Yeah, I'm still waiting on that uh, that refund on my uh, 101 pick Seriously. that I made of, of Corey Davis, but. Um, you know, I did a study several years ago, and I really should uh, should go back and update this because I think it it gave some good information. Uh, essentially, looking at rookie ADP or, or a player's uh, dynasty ADP in his rookie year, and then looking at that same ADP a year later. And I know you've done yeah. some of this some of the same kind of research over the years, and I mean the the percentages are crazy high of, of players that are gaining value or at least maintaining their value versus those. Uh, rookies that that lost value after a year and you know you look at you look at even some of the rookies who didn't necessarily have a, a huge rookie season last year Traylon Burks comes to mind uh, you know guys like that still gained value his ADP not now is higher than it was this time a year ago so um, again if you're planting your flag on on your favorite rookie even if he doesn't have that that Garrett Wilson, uh, Saquon Barkley type rookie year, there's a pretty good chance he's still gaining value. And if you do want to pivot, you'll be able to. Yeah, I did some pale imitations of a lot of different people, what you included. So yeah, I think I've done some of that. Um, I found it interesting, like uh, something like, um, is there anyone that stuck out to you? The Traylon Burks is a good name this week. I believe he did something good on a one-handed catch scale. And now people remember that he can be, or at least was sometimes, <laughs> good in college and um, so it might be a bad week for it but you have you found any of those sophomores that you've really been like oh, that's just that's just a good value right there um you know pickens is kind of the hot spot right he's he's kind of the the name that's hotly debated and um i mean he's really been for me a guy that that even through this first uh season plus that i've I've kind of been back and forth on him, but I think the value has dropped enough. He's wide receiver 37 in our ADP currently that uh, that I'm starting to get more interested in him. So if there was a buying opportunity, even if it were just that stock market mentality, buy now to, to flip later, uh, he's a guy I'm, I'm starting to become more interested yeah. in, um, which that – you know, I'm kind of surprised that that I would even say that he's he was not one of my guys and and hasn't been at all. But I mean, the Steelers offense, I don't know if you got to uh, look at watch any of those games, but it looks like a different team. We'll, of, co- of course, we'll uh, see if that translates into the regular season when we're getting all the uh, all the first teamers playing. But they've been impressive. And and then I think the other kind of chalk answer is Jahan Dotson, uh, just way, oh, way yeah. undervalued, in my opinion. Uh, he's at uh, wide receiver 32 right now. Pickens is interesting, especially the Steelers. What can I add to that? Oh, I just did that touchdown regression um, podcast for this one. Pickens is going to score more points per game this year because quarterbacks almost always do when they do touch that much touchdown regression. Deontay Johnson should at least catch one. <laughs> and and Pickens is in that mix as well, right? And that would um, be an improvement, so, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's at least improvement coming, whether it's uh, uh, remarkable. Um, or not, we should probably expect the team to be better this year. Um, for fantasy, I'm not an NFL right. scout. I can't tell you how far they're getting in the playoffs or nothing. Um, 
but again, it's a good skill call with Najee and Deontay and and Pickens. If it can improve, it probably would look pretty good and increase in value. So I think Pickens is interesting. Someone I kind of forgot about. He was so hyped in season because of the one hand mm-hmm. catch metric. You know that that he's he's so <laughs> good down. on a highlight reel that I think yeah the value escalated a little bit. And that's interesting name. Um, just turning a little bit because this is something I struggle with a lot, and so I assume other people do too. But it's probably just me. And making a trade offer for someone that you're interested in, and you can have a specific example. And I, I hate to keep you on the broad strokes because I know everyone gets bored, except for me, about the broad view. But I struggle. Like I want to go trade for this player. I think it's a good value. I think this would work for my roster. I think it, I've done all my all my boxes ticked. And then I go and look, and I know they want a, t- a first, even though I'm trying not to give up first. Almost everyone wants a first for a trade right. player that's interesting. How do you go about looking to construct a trade when you don't? <laughs> no, I, I think I, I think I know what you mean. I, I would say it's a little different depending on if I'm um, an aggressive buyer or if I'm a seller. So w- what I mean by that is um, like the, back to the Jamison Williams example. Right. I. I've got Jamison Williams on two teams. I want to have him on zero teams. So I am an, <laughs> I, I would consider myself like an aggressive seller of Jamison right. Williams. So I might send uh, I might send eight offers around the league to to other managers uh, asking for players that I think or picks or whatever that I think I can get for Jamison Williams. Um, so you know, that that's kind of one point of view. And the other is obviously if you're trying to target a player, if I'm trying to buy uh, again, George Pickens, let's say, you know, if he's the target, well, again, that, that changes things greatly because I can only, I can only trade uh, with one team, you know, for exactly. George Pickens. Yeah, yeah. Right. So if, if if he's the target now and if I've they got... don't like what you have it can be the answer in all the leagues is just you can't get that player because they don't like uh kittle or Ayuk or whoever you might have to make that value yeah i mean that's that's the the that's kind of the bad side you know the bad thing the downside uh of making trades and sometimes i'm i'm surprised at at the number of trades i see you know whether i'm looking in the trade finder looking on twitter um uh, looking at those, uh, those outhouse leagues and all those uh, <laughs> trade <laughs> addicts leagues. I mean, there, there's so many trades going down in those leagues and you really have to find the right mix of two teams. Usually it's a, t- it's a contending team and a rebuilding team. You know, that's kind of the, the uh, typical pairing. Um, and, and again, you've got to find, as you said, the, I like your players. You like my players. Let's make a deal. It helps us both, right? Like it seems like a trade. Like how should... how do babies get made? Well, when one team <laughs> loves another team in just the right way. <laughs> yeah, it's that's kind of what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, so if I'm if I'm an aggressive buyer versus an aggressive seller, I think it's very different. But you know, I've heard people say like disguise your target. Uh, you know, send a, send a three for three offer. And, you know, the guy you want is, is the fourth guy who's not even in the initial offer. Like, honestly, I mean that maybe that works for some people. I, I don't do that. Like, you know, if I want George Pickens, I'm, I'm either just going to start by sending you an offer, reaching out, trying to find something that's, that's reasonable. And, and maybe that uh, DLF trade analyzer is the starting point. You know, that's, that's one of the cool features you can, sync your league and 
if I'm tar- targeting George Pickens, it will tell me the three or four players on my team that are uh, most closely related uh, to him value-wise. So if I feel good about giving up one of those players or a couple of those players, I can I can start by sending that offer and uh, see what the response is from there. Um, I don't want to keep you too long, Ryan. You can't tell me it's too late because I could just quiz you on all the questions I've ever had in <laughs> Dynasty. I'd be happy to do that. Um, but I do want to get you out of here before uh, 2024. Um, that what you're talking about is essentially why I find it's I find it more successful, and I think it's better to instead of looking at, for the players that you want to go send offers on, like you said, aggressive seller, aggressive buyer. I find it better to be looking at my roster, like who would someone be mm-hmm. excited to find an aggressive seller on? Not so yeah. much that I don't like this player, but I can trade this player. And someone will be really interested in it. And then you do the aggressive seller thing, as you were saying. It's more looking at your own roster, trying to find those areas that you can give up to use your thought process there. Just look where you're strong and what you can offer them to try and start with making a trade offer. Probably a good way of approaching it. But to get you out of here, what I normally ask is some version of who's one player you're trying to make a move on right now in Dynasty, if you only have one league. You've already said you're getting rid of all the Jamison Williams, so you can't have that one. That would be cheating, um, or I'm trying to cheat by getting a second answer out of you. I mean, talking about the the, the, the preseason hype and the the training camp hype, I'm, I'm falling for it with Zay Flowers. So he would he would be the, uh, oh, okay. you know, if I'm talking about one target, he would be the guy uh, that, that I would be really looking for. I think the value is still reasonable, even though I think he's been gaining values. He's wide receiver 31 in our ADP currently uh, on this week's uh, DLF dynasty podcast. I um, we had some, some different projections for the upcoming season. I, I projected that he or predicted that he would be a top 20 dynasty wide receiver uh, by the end of the regular season this year. So not maybe not a huge stretch. Uh, it needs to go up uh, 10 or 11 spots or so. Uh, but I, I mean, Enough. I look at that. Yeah. I look at that Baltimore uh, receiving core. And of course they've made some moves this off season with uh, not only with flowers, but with Odell Beckham, they've got the new offensive coordinator there. Um, while we haven't necessarily seen that, or we, we didn't see Lamar, we didn't see uh, Beckham or Bateman, this preseason, I think we have enough uh, history with this, uh, uh, with Todd Munkin and and with the veteran players there to kind of know what we're getting. Um, and I mean, part of part of this Zay Flowers intrigue is just being being done with Rashad Bateman. I mean, I, you <laughs> it's, know, been I, rough. I <laughs> yeah. it, it's been rough. The guy can't stay healthy. Um, hasn't, hasn't put a full season together yet. And, and it looks like this is not going to be the year that happens. So I, I really look at Zay flowers as the top, uh, wide receiver target on that team. And, and, uh, think he's going to gain quite a bit of value this, uh, this season. All right. Breaking, breaking my Rashad Breitman heart, but that's okay. You know, <laughs> you're sorry, sorry, sorry. no, no, you're good. Um, yeah. And, and to hear, well, actually, to be honest, I was going to say to hear all the other moves that Ryan would like to make and not make in Dynasty, you can check out the main DLF podcast show, but you'd have to probably check out 50 podcasts at this point, but yeah, check out the main DLF flagship show. Um, for some, at least of his other Dynasty advice, Ryan, I really want to thank you for coming on. Um, I appreciate you, uh, lifting the heavy load so i don't have to make a real a full-on solo podcast this week because they get they tire me out i tell you and i really appreciate it thanks very much absolutely thanks for having me on Pete. yeah 
chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, though. He enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, though. He enumerates the plays, they're analytical.